An October morning in a quiet suburb in a town in Scotland. A man is walking his dog when suddenly shots are fired from a car. The man falls to the ground and the car speeds off. An ordinary residential area, but extraordinary things happen in ordinary places. The instinct right away was it was a political thing. We're talking about Russian trained, high ranking officer in the Secret Service. An assassin comes to town, a six part podcast. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, people, this is Around. Welcome back to God's Fall, a proud member of Neon Rival. Join the collective at neonrival.com. Where we last left our heroes, they had faced off against the line, a team of God-hunting mortals who were on the trail of Dudala. The God of the Astral Realm vanished during the battle and was not seen again. After the battle, Doro and Caitlin combined their powers in the Dreamhouse to try and track down Queen Cyrena and her ship. Instead, they found a shadowy nexus where thousands of tendrils of possibility were centering on a single location. And it was there that they would meet the gods of time and fate. Frightened by their encounter, they hurried away and were transported to the deck of Queen Cyrena's ship. My name is Michael. I play Zion Preeton, a six-level human sorcerer. My name's Steven, and I play Torvik Wildtongue, a level six paladin dwarf. My name's Kelly, and I play Rena Falvel, a six-level wild elf ranger. My name is Doug, and I play Doro Knot, the level six halfling rogue. My name is Serena, and I play Caitlin Wainwright, a level six human rogue. My name is Carlos, and I play Para Rivers, a six-level human cleric. And now they've been gone for about three hours. So what have you all been doing during these three hours? Got any eights? Go fish. <laughs> <laughs> well, during those three hours, you know, if everybody's doing their own thing, I'm going to check on my battery. You've had it, like, soaking in the acid and waiting all this time, and there's, like, one little test tube that you've been practicing on that is sitting there right now. It's been, like, gently heating over this flame for the last several hours. All right, well, I take it out... I focus my divinity onto this little battery, and I put in a uh, wave of force. Okay, I would like you to roll a die 20 and add your divinity bonus. 20. What I would actually try to do is uh, cast message and say, hello. Is that part of your force? Is that part of your divinity? Would it matter? Yes, you can only use divinity, divinity on this. Fine, yeah. then uh, it would just be uh, levitation. And you have placed it inside it? Yeah. So now I should be able to step back and it's still levitating and I'm not using my divinity. You let go and it just kind of just kind of hovers in midair. It's gently turning around. Airship. <laughs> Take that, <laughs> grabby hands. Yep. 
<laughs> right. Takes a while to make them, takes a couple to grind down, but yeah, this seems to be working. Excellent. Proof of concept. Michael's going to be making like, you know, giant war machines. Yeah. Huge Exercise. go-bots. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to outscience these people. You just wait. I'm going to go down and play with the owlbear. Oh, perfect. And they love seeing you. And Oinkers is down there, too, and has turned into like a slightly larger owlbear. So the four of you are just wrestling. Just feeding them and right. playing with them, te teaching them tricks. You know, Feathers like and blood and fish. And, yeah. Excellent. They're very happy. And they listen to you like, you know, they're, they're, they're not terribly intelligent, but they definitely are listening and learning things from both of you. I think Rena is just like, she needs some alone time. So so she's gone up to the crow's nest and she just has her journal out. And she's just kind of scribbling around. I want Para to be, I guess, trying to relax. He was pacing for a while and then he's just like, I guess they're just going to be a while. And he really wants to bo bother Zion right now. Because he doesn't do well just like by himself, I guess. Yeah. But he knows that he has to. So Zion hates being interrupted when he's working <laughs> in his lab. He's just anxious, I guess. So he kind of finds like a little corner of a room. And he pulls out this book that he had lifted from the library. And he's like trying to teach himself how to read based on like Zion's try to teach him a few times. And he, he basically has the grasp of language. It's just sounding it out. So I picture the scene where he's just kind of like sitting on a pillow in a corner, sun shining on him, and Steelbeard is kind of like reading over his shoulder and like helping him at the Aww. same time. Yeah, totally. Uh, so he's just like, and why does the... And Steelbeard's like, sound it out. <laughs> sound it out. Moon, moon, na, moon, moon. Good job, Para. Thanks, Steelbeard. <laughs> like that, like yeah. that, you know. That's awesome. That's adorable. <laughs> Steelbeard forges a little leaf blanket that he places over your shoulders, <laughs> and a single snaky twig reaches out and is like following along the like, with like, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I kind of want to fill her in with everything that's happened yeah. at this Done. point, basically. All right. Tell her about the line. and um, She seems surprised by that. but Well, she seems surprised by everything, frankly. Gala, I specifically described their ship to her. That ship has been rumored. It has been seen a couple times, but we don't know much about it beyond that. Caitlin is kind of like anxious and she's like and, and, and I want to show you something I want to show you a thing that I saw and and I want I want you to see if you know anything about it you wish to show me your dreams yes all right she extends her arms to you yes and she um, takes her to the tree the treehouse unsettling mm -hmm. uh, what did you want to show me Caitlin I wanted to show you this and I uh, Picture by picture, the um, the fire giant and the god of invention. Caitlin waves an arm across the back wall of the treehouse, and it just vanishes, revealing this huge museum of tapestries and sculptures and paintings. And as you walk through the marbled halls, they're all moving and telling the stories. And you see the god of fire. You see the temple in the middle of Capania. You see the god of invention. 
You see Dudala crackling with astral energy. You see her fighting the line. All of your memories play out in front of you in moving, living art. My, this is troubling. You all have been very busy. Mr. Nods, yes. We have been busy as well. And the queen holds up her hand and closes her fists, revealing this gold disc atop a ring on her right hand. The disc blazes in the sun, and the writing along the top of it glows and shimmers as she holds it aloft. Her whole body seems to glow in that moment. She seems to grow slightly. She's always been powerful and intimidating, but in this moment, that power seems to have become completely divine, otherworldly, godly. She is well on her way to becoming the next god queen. Good. <laughs> I'm glad that you have that. Um, what what else are you missing? So the helm of might is missing. Further south down the tranquil pass near where the giant crab was. She has the shield. She does not have the sword of the five kingdoms, which is way north in Utea, which is our destiny. Going to Jurassic Park, everyone. She does not have the uh, breastplate of honor, which is in the heart of Kadar. Oh, she has the tabard. Right, she has the tabard. It's the chest piece. She does not have the crown of divinity, which is unfortunately where we just were in the heart of Rizan, but we have no way of finding that, only she does. She does not have the amulet of the first kings which is also in the heart of Kadar. Uh, she does not have the gauntlets of Valhina, which is uh, in Wessel, which is where I, I think you were saying they were headed now. Exactly. Yeah, uh, off the moon coast. Uh, she does have the ring of the old world, and she also has the ring of the sun elves. So she's missing gauntlets, amulet, crown, breastplate, sword. Helm. Helm. So six things she's missing. And they're headed to get uh, the gauntlets right now. They're that's, headed to that, get the gauntlets, uh, which is in the middle of Wessel, in the God's Field. They're going to port in Wessel and head inland. That is our plan. Before we went to go find Sirena, what were we collectively doing leaving Capania? Going to the next thing, probably? We were trying to find Sirena. We figured head south, but then we thought, well, maybe y'all would be Could able to find her better. Yeah. What, were the, what was the closest thing that was closest to us, not counting that God landing in Capania? Where would be like the next logical next thing that we would have gone to to find for Serena's stuff? We were headed south. And we were hoping to go to near Cape Triple Tail to find what she has already found, but we didn't know that. Ring of the Sun Elves. I have an idea, I say to Caitlin. Okay. And you tell me if this is a good idea or not. Oh, okay. I think we should follow them and go after the gauntlets. And you send a dream message to the others saying that the ring that they're on the way to try and get has already been gotten by her, and we're heading to this location, and they should meet up with us. Okay. Yeah, you can do it. I, it's easy. Yeah. They'll still yeah, yeah. be like six days away. I mean, what, you want to park in the ocean? Just wait what, for them? What, I'm telling you. Um, Beach adventure, everyone. Well, uh, I have a question. If we're going to get the gauntlets, wouldn't it make more sense if... They got something else closer to them. Does she say that out loud in front of Sirena? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. They're just talking. Yeah. Um, 
Because maybe Sirena has an idea. Sorry, Lee. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to open up. Sirena's opening files. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, opening, I'm opening the map. So yes, I can. and after Sirena does, she'll she'll remember that only she can find the things. Only I can find these items. I am the only one who knows their direction, who can pinpoint them. There's also two very important things that we've learned recently. Yeah. One, there's a crazy group of other things like us trying to find people like us. And someone knows how to eat other people's powers. I really don't think splitting up is a really great idea anymore. Honestly, I forgot about the power eating part. Eat other people's powers. We kind of did the astral realm thing again, and we saw two other godlings. One was a fire giant. And he, like, literally waits for, like, dramatic effect for her to be like, fire giant, clutch my pearls. She, she just and kinda, she doesn't do anything. No, she and nods. he's Because like, she's seen it in the, when I took her to the treehouse. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay. And uh, this other one who literally had two divinities at the same time. How is it possible? You got me, lady. That is worrying. If you can take them from each other, if they can be transferred, then that means that one god could consolidate a tremendous amount of power. That doesn't sound like a very good idea to me. If one got so powerful, there would reason to believe that they would be the only god. So, let's find more of your stuff. We are heading west along the moon coast and will port at Kessel in Penrick, one of the 13 independent kingdoms that make up the Republic of Wessel. From there, we'll join the main trade route until we reach the city of Grainhill in Kandasa. Though I have never been, I have seen visions of the city on a low hill, surrounded by miles and miles of swaying golden grain. I see my gauntlets there, but they are worn by another and they have become very strong. This is all I know, and it is why we must hurry. Sounds like a good idea to me. Okay. Quick question, does, okay, out of character, because we heard you earlier say king. Yeah. Does Serena know who that guy is? Oh, good question. Oh, because yeah. she's probably met diplomats and things like that. As you were walking through the treehouse before, and you were showing her image by image, she stops for a second. And she points towards this dwarf that had the two powers. And she asks you to show more of him. And you go, bing, 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 bing. And you create several other pictures. And she just furrows her brow. It's like, well, that one will be quite a problem. That is King Thorak Stoneburner, the ruler of Gaul Hadir. Insert audio cue here. Yeah. Ba, ba, ba. Uh, what what is what is he? What does he do? He is arguably the most powerful dwarf of the most powerful dwarven kingdom left on this earth. And he's consumed two powers. Which makes him even more powerful and possibly unstoppable. And at this, that's when Caitlin wakes everyone up or wakes us up. They just both appear like they. The deck ripples, and they spin back out of it, and boom, are just standing on the deck. Joshua had been standing in that exact spot with her hand on the hilt of her sword, waiting for you to return, making sure nothing 
bother this area. I'm like s- smiling and waving at Jazz Omelette right. the whole time. Like, <laughs> You've returned. And she holds up a finger, turns on her heel, and marches back towards the queen's cabin. I'm tired, Doro. Me too. Let me show you to your quarters. Okay. And she walks you downstairs, and it's not a very large boat, because it's her uh, queen's yacht, right? But there are a couple rooms downstairs, and she opens up one of them, and there are two beds inside. Single beds, right? It's not like a queen or anything, but it's nice. And she gestures towards them. They all have uh, silk linens on them. You know, all the royal seal of, An- of Ani is stitched into everything. So this is like fine quality. Has Caitlin ever seen anything like this? No. Well, no, I mean, no, no, because her, I mean, her, your She family, was on the boat. Your family uh, was wealthier. And she was on this boat. So yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so sorry. You had seen it okay. before. Yeah. So, um, it's really comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, looks at Doro and she kind of just like smiles and gives like, a little like cute like wave like okay bye and like gets into the covers and is out yeah i however wait for sirena thanks thanks queen sirena i'm watching you halfling and she leaves closes the door i count to 10 and then i sneak out you go to sleep and your first hour is spent actually sleeping because you need one hour yes after that you've got you have now seven hours to do whatever you want inside your dream space uh i want to visit zion what are you doing on the boat at night at this point several hours have passed the other the others have not come back what are you doing i don't know she's probably pacing it's like a lot of just back and forth and eyes on the sky kind of thing and she's because she's got night vision, so she's just, you know, she's, mm-hmm. it's just she has to keep her mind off of it otherwise she'll think about it too long what is Torvik and Oinkers doing? Just the normal. Eating, rec- you know, drinking, resting. Hanging out, telling jokes to each other. Making fart noises, you know. Right. <laughs> and then I assume Zion's been waiting these hours to hear back from them in his usual calm and rational manner. Here's the deal. Like, they haven't come back yet. We don't know where Doro is. We don't know where Caitlin is. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. There are more than one gods after us. I don't know what to do. Zion, just, just breathe. Slow down, slow down. No. It's okay. It's okay. What? I don't know what I'm doing. I put up an act. Everybody thinks I know what I'm doing, but I don't. I'm just trying to keep us alive. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Come here. Come here. You don't have to do anything, Zion. Just... He pauses, and he remembers what he was reading with Steelbeard. One day, the moon asked the sun, Where do you get your light from? And the sun replied, There is no light, only fire. You don't have to be anything, Zion, to shine. I don't know what I would do without you. And uh, he puts his hands through his hair, and the camera just fades out. What are you doing around the ship? Uh, I'm looting. Looting. Okay. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, everything is expensive. The silverware is expensive. The silver candle holders are expensive. Lanterns are expensive. So basically, are you just like stuffing until like there's this giant bulge on the side of you? No, well, I have a sack. I found a sack and I'm dragging things and like silverware <laughs> and, you know, candle holders and stuff like whatever silvery gold i would like you to roll uh stealth and everybody on the ship's like 
Oh, God, okay, do what you want. <laughs> see you. you got something to say about it? <laughs> 23. 24. For a couple hours, you're just stuffing things into the sack. I am rich and I'm gonna be rich. This is all my money and I'm gonna have a lot. Wait till I buy all my things with all my new money. <laughs> and you have a little pouch and you start shoving things into it and you immediately find things that you think are praised more. So you take the things out and you put more things in. And you do that a couple times and you're like, you know what? hard cuts you having a much larger sack yeah. and you're <laughs> yeah. you know, shoving things into that and you quickly fill it up and you're like and it slam cuts again to you have taken a whole tablecloth off and are just tying it at the corners and now dragging your little feet barely getting traction don't forget you, I have pretty good strength but but you only weigh so much too right yeah so you're <laughs> barely dragging this giant tarp it's like, <laughs> like crashing and making oh, a bunch yeah, of knocking noise knocking stuff over right. opening doors and, sorry and so you get a little stuck in a door in a doorway and you turn around and you're and then you just kind of feel eyes on the back of your head and you turn and you look up Joshua has just crossed her arms and is staring down at you. Hi, Jazz Omelette. Do you want to give me a hand with this? The queen has money and will give it to you, Doro. We have money. We will give it to you. Just please leave the things where they are. But you don't understand, Jazz Omelette. If you pay me and I take this, I get paid twice. We will pay you not to move the things. You don't have to sell them or pawn them or go through this ridiculous charade. We will simply give you money to not upset the things. <laughs> but that's what, but yeah. that's, that's what makes it fun. I'll tell you what. And she reaches into her pocket and she pulls out beautiful sapphire. <gasps> Sparkly. Yeah. Certainly worth a lot. Yeah. And she spins it in her hand and then she closes it. Every night... I shall hide one of these in the ship. If you find it, it is yours. Agreed? Agreed. And I hold out my hand. Takes your hand and shakes it. Will you please put this back? Uh, I don't do that. And I teleport. (laughs) (laughs) Caitlin uses her hour of rest when she decides to wake up she's in the treehouse and she thinks i should see zion and then she stops for a second and she walks around the treehouse and there's a tiny little like hinged door so she opens the hinged door and there's stairs and she walks down this like set of stairs and in a very dark room is a box and in caitlin's hand she has a book that says kadaria She very, very carefully unlocks this box. There's like wispy black smoke coming out of it and she shoves the the book into the box and a hand comes out of the box and she shoves the hand back, back in the box, slams it, locks it, and takes a breath. I, I have to, I have to see Zion now. And she goes up the stairs. As you slam it and lock it, 
and you turn and you take a breath and you start to walk up these stairs. And as you do, the camera shifts to the box and where the lock meets and the small keyhole rests, a single black tendril slips out and follows you up the stairs. I don't come here, come down here very, very often. Seems like a bad place. It's a very bad place. But she, she kind of scurries up the stairs. She shuts the trap door behind her. Caitlin looks out one of the treehouse windows. There's like a, a crackle that kind of looks like uh, webbing for a second, and then it's back to blue skies. And she's searching. focusing and your eyes are rolling with that purple and pink energy of the astral realm and you're changing the view in these windows and out the opening behind you as you swirl around and as you're doing that this little tendril of black slides up behind you rolls over your forehead and fires into both of your eyes and they roll back black You are in total darkness. Everything around you is black. The floor is black. You can't pierce it in any way, but you seem perfectly lit. But the light touches nothing else around you. You can't even tell if it's floor because it simply doesn't have light touch it. It's just black everywhere. Where, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Echoes all around you. Hello? 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 I, I'm going to try to use my dream power to to create a light. So you create this light in your hand and it's just there, but it pierces nothing beyond you. It touches nothing except makes you brighter. This is empty. This place is empty. And um, I'm going to start running. Even your footsteps feel dull and muted as you're running and I'm assuming still shouting. Mm Mm-hmm. And as you do, you run for about five minutes and you're starting to really panic. And then you hear someone shout back, a male shout back from somewhere off to your right. Hello? Are you lost? Hello? Who's there? Who's there? My name is Joe, and I play Lord Haldir Muran, the sixth level High Elf Warlock. My name is Serena, and I play Caitlin Wainwright, a level six human rogue. My name's Allison, and I play Ariska Tane, an eighth level human bard. <laughs> My name is Michael, I play Besson Arani, a second level wild elf fighter. Five days ago. The last time we left our players, Lord Haldir Laron and Ariska on Lord Haldir Laron's fog cutter had left Ani and entered the King's Sea. You're going to cut through the strait that separates Wessel and Kadar, and then you're going to 
turn sharp south and head all the way down to Black Fang Bay. So you get a bit of a journey ahead of you. You have already activated your fog screens from the fog cutter and slipped through the blockade and are headed towards the strait. It's been about four nights so far. Haldir, you have been having dreams. Unsteady dreams where there has been this darkness that's always kind of existed all around you, this ball this, uh, with all these tendrils of darkness that seem to reach out to you, at you, past you, and the whole time you feel like there's something right behind you, staring into the back of your head. But every time you turn around, as the fear and panic builds, as soon as you do, you wake up. And now, just now, in your dreams, about the fourth night, you've just woken up in this panic sweat, and you're gasping. Um, And I look around to see if there's anybody else in the room, if there's this big black ball in the room as well with me. Roll perception. Uh, 14. Okay, you're looking around the room. The shadows are distracting for a while, so you're kind of peering into them. The light's kind of flickering, so it's making lots of pools of darkness all around you. And you feel like any one of them could be the ball of shadows. You see tendrils everywhere, and then just like you realize it's, it's just your imagination. There's nothing here. Must have just been a dream. Okay. Um, do I have any way of telling the time? Is it light out? Sure. What's uh, it? You glance at the you glance at the stars. Uh, just roll me an intelligence check. Eight. Okay. So you think? I mean, it's dark. So it's got to be like you know somewhere nearish midnight, you guess, because it's real dark and doesn't look like the light's going to come up anytime soon. You feel like you've only been asleep for a couple hours. All right. That's early enough. I can get up. Uh, so I think I'm I'm gonna get up out of bed, dress in something that is comfortable, but still incredibly fashionable, as I do. So 27 minutes later, you're ready. Okay, perfect. Uh, Grab my lines and go up on the deck. So would you just grab the tokens off, like, the bedside next to you? Right, gotcha. And you just kind of slip them into your pocket? Exactly. Excellent. And you head up to the main deck. throw open the door. The seas are calm. The breeze is rather chilly for what, what is it? Gaidon? This is the 7th of Gaidon. And it is midsummer. And this is a relatively cool evening for midsummer. Not a lot of humidity, just like a crisp, almost like a fall morning. There's a couple of people on deck. There's, some, there's someone up in the sails, maining, uh, manning the uh, sails, doing a little bit of repair work. There's some, And by repair work, I mean there's a wood elf up there singing to the sails, gently brushing his hand across the sail. They're just repairing and weaving back together as he's singing. They're all, again, made of leaves, much like Steelbeard is. There's another elf on the deck that's doing some charting with the stars, and then there's Vesson, who is mopping. I like to walk to the bow of the ship. I want to be able to feel the breeze in my hair, the salt on my face. Okay, so you will pass all of your crewmates on the way up. Yeah, so I, I, don't, up. I don't even look at them. No, you don't. But they all stop what they're doing and bow. I cast down my, my eyes and hope the master doesn't see me. 
I spit in his direction. I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. <laughs> Missed a spot. <laughs> so you just walk past him and yes. ignore him. So you walk past him, you get to the bow of the ship. Now, where the ship is right now is it's uh, passing the bottom edge of Kadar, and a little bit of the southern shield can be seen. The southern shield is still the largest city in all of Kadar and used to be the capital. All of the capitals of the five kingdoms were on the King Sea. That's was you know traditionally what they would do they'd be as close to each other as possible and it was a sense of unity among the five kingdoms after the gods war and Qadar unified they moved the capital further north it's a move to because it's more within the center and heart of the country but it's also because they were like fuck you you know we don't believe in the five kingdoms we've always been on our own so that's the city you're passing right now also the city that if you knew Zion is from hmm. and Caitlin and Caitlin as well yeah so at the bow of the ship, in the, in the middle of the night, where I'm kind of tired and you know, the stars are out and we're going through this amazing strait with these you know, unbelievable sights and wonders, um, I'd like to take stock of, I guess, because I know I'm now bound to Oriska. And with each new, um, I guess, what do you call a warlock's master? Each new... Patron. 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 Yes, mm-hmm. that's it. Exactly. With each new patron, kind of new powers, new, new abilities have, have surfaced. And so I'd like to try and take stock of myself in this moment and see if there's anything new that I can feel about myself, any connection, and also any connection to this dream that I've had, you know, for a few days in a row. And maybe this is actually an also another entity that's trying to control me, that's trying to watch me, and just see if I can, you know, look inward and find any answers. So the person who really taught you to focus in on your powers and concentrate on them was your grandmother. And a lot of the techniques you use, while you're certainly no longer connected to her, as she revealed herself as either a patron or a source of this force, of this elder thing you used to get your powers from, you do a lot of her same techniques. So you just kind of close your eyes. Block out everything around you. The sounds of the sea kind of fall away into a dull roar. Your senses of smell and taste kind of dull away, and you're just in this blackness inside your own mind. And there's a single rose, and you carefully in your mind open each petal. You just slowly unwrap it one by one and just keep focusing on these petals until your mind is completely blank. And you can hear the voice of a child, a young girl, somewhere, in the distance. Hello? Of this inky blackness all around you. Can I hear what she's saying? No, you can't really make it out. I'd like to call out, hello? 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 I'm just gonna echoes all around you. Hello, are you there? there? I'm gonna echoes back at you and you can hear direction, but no one's replying to you. Do I recognize the voice at all? But no one you've heard before. None, none of this feels familiar. None of this. Well, I mean, it's, it's literally a it's, void yeah. with a voice in it. Um, okay, I don't know that there's much else I can do. Can I, I can't walk towards it. Sure, you can absolutely. Am, walk am I corporeal it. in this kind of? You are real. Okay. So imagine, like you've seen Stranger Things, right? Yes. When they're in that black yes. room. So imagine that without the water. Yes, I'd right? like to. Yeah. I'd like to try and walk, like walk towards, move towards this voice. I want to be able to hear it better. So you start walking and your footsteps are so echoey. Every single one is like slamming to the ground and bang, 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 all coming back to you. So there's this cacophony of echoed sound that is disorienting. 
And the fact that there's no distance and space and light or shape around you is also disorienting. It's very strange because it feels like everything is plunged in darkness, but you're incredibly well lit. It just touches nothing else around you. So you keep walking for a while and you hear this voice getting closer and closer. And then I, I did this cool thing where I jumped to the side and, and, and I just, I dodged it. I dodged it, Doro. <laughs> That's echoing all around you now. And the closer you get, the louder it gets, but the more it's everywhere. Like you can't quite pinpoint it down. And you're, it's starting to like loop back on itself, almost as, as, as if a one person is doing a round and you're starting to get lost in the voice and it's getting louder and louder. I need you to roll a wisdom save. That was a 10, I promise. You start to get ill and dizzy and you kind of feel yourself lurching to the side as this voice is echoing and then you fall <laughs> down but almost as if you're falling sideways as if gravity just shifted on you you slam into the blackness of the ground fall through it as if it was water flip upside down and all of a sudden you're standing and you feel upside down for a sec but your vision and orientation shifts to where you are and now you're just standing on the deck and you've snapped out of it at the last second, you just hear this voice, Steelbeard, and it echoes in your head, and then nothing. Well, that's enough of that for right now. Um, fascinating. So it's a lot for me to consider. Um, does it feel similar to how, because uh, you previously you, you described kind of how your connection, my connection to the different patrons as this tendril of energy. Does it feel similar to that in any way? It absolutely did without all of the oppressive fear, power, and control that you felt in that. This was none of that. So more of a, like a peer-on-peer connection instead of a master-servant connection? It was that... more of an emptiness. But as you got closer to this voice, it felt warmer and comforting. Hmm. Interesting. How much time has passed? Is, have I... You'd have to ask someone. Can I look at the stars and find out? No, I mean, it's not that tight, but you, but you have guys on the deck. You could turn and be like, how much time have I been here? You know, that kind of thing. Is there anyone near me? Yeah, there's uh, your... You know, there's Vesson. Um, I turn and I say, Vesson! <laughs> Yes, my lord. What is the time? The time is five stars past the moon. What, what time did I walk out here? Um, th 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 four stars past the moon, sire? Maybe half an hour ago. Half an hour ago. Okay, thank you. I, did, I had no idea what that meant. I, I was making an <laughs> One blasmos. One blasmos, please. So that's probably about as much time, maybe a little less time than I thought, maybe about... Roughly about the same time you spent in that place, okay. as far as you can tell. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So at this point, it's like I was listening to something that was actually occurring. You could have been outside your body. I could have been totally out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your grandmother showed you, she had the ability to enter the astral realm because it's got the powerful magic she could use. And she had shown you the astral realm once and you've, it felt very much like that. You're like, you were in a different place with a tendril connecting you back to the material. That's interesting. I'd like to explore this more. Um, so I go back to my room. Okay, so you go back to your room, and you're going to spend some time meditating. Meditation. Yes. As you're walking back down, the winds are picking up, and the sea is getting a little bit choppy. And a particularly large wave kind of rocks the boat to the, to the side as the crew is bringing in sails and preparing the ship for choppier waters. You're kind of a light sleeper. 
As that wave hits the boat, you snap awake. And so I stand up out of bed, take a quick look out the window, and then head immediately for the door. Kind of want to see where we are. You also realize that you haven't been to the kitchen yet tonight. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the perfect time. Yep. Uh, So uh, gather up a few things. Um, She's dressed in night clothes, very skimpy. Right. And doesn't give a damn. And steps out into the corridor with a small, uh, sort of a small handbag. I'm headed for the kitchen. Okay. For the galley. So there's a couple crewmen up. You pass one on the way. They salute you very professionally and officially as you walk by. Occasionally, I'll return the salute with one or two um, that have apparently caught my fancy. I'll sort of slide in uh, and have a... A kiss, and then uh, continue on my way down the corridor. That's your salute. A kiss, yeah. All right, so you continue down, and you are in the mess. And the mess is kind of this, like, open area where there are a couple tables, chairs around them, a large cook pot that's kind of mounted on a permanent rod with a fire pit that can be dumped out into the ocean if it gets out of control. And then there's, like, a couple beds, like a raised beds, where there are vegetables and mosses and other things that are actually growing on the ship right there. But there's a large stew pot where the where all the food is collected and made. Yeah. Is there anyone else in the galley at this time of night? You want roll me a 20-sided die and call high or low. High? Oh, low. Low. Okay, so yes, the cook is there and up a little bit early and kind of playing with some onions and, and some other things and obviously making the food early. The cook on this shift is not an elf. He is actually uh, this kind of older gruff dwarf Who's been at who's, who's been at sea almost all of his life? And what's his name, Aram? Fuck. Uh, <laughs> his name is uh, his name is Ringle. His name is Ringle Star. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. His name is uh, you know what? His name is Ringle Starforge. That's what it's called. His name is Ringle Starforge. So as I walk into the galley, I see that uh, Ringle is there. Ringle, you're up early this morning, aren't you? Yeah, well, I had to cut the onions, and it takes forever to get these pickled beets right, and there's a lot of other things. Mm, What do you need? Pickled beets, eh? Pickled beets are the best. My mom made pickled beets. Her mom made pickled beets. I'm sure they are. You know, I wonder if uh, perhaps you'd just take a turn around the deck. It's a beautiful morning. We're passing through the strait. I think it's something you should really see. Look, look, Captain. I got a lot of work to do down here. Ringle, take a turn. He just kind of puts his knife down. Yes, ma'am. And walks out towards the deck. As he does, I walk over toward the galley door and pull it quietly shut, not latched. And I reach into my handbag and pull out uh, a couple of very small bottles and a vial. I do a little bit of, of mixing quite expertly. I've obviously done this many times before. Uh, and then out of the final one, uh, I take a, a medicine dropper and just very slowly count out drops into the stew for the day. Give me a dexterity roll. That would be 13. Yep. No problems. Even with the ship listing, you've got your sea legs now. No, no problems at all. 
just when I think it's exactly enough, I add one more drop, and then one more drop. <laughs> and then I put the medicine dropper back in the vial, seal it back in my handbag, and uh, back out the door. Where are you headed? I'm headed up on deck, I think, to see how the morning shift is doing. I think one of my very favorite crew members might be there. Right. So as you head up onto deck, Haldir is coming off the deck. Well, good morning, Haldir. You're up early today, aren't you? I haven't been to bed yet. That's where I was heading now. Really? Seems unlike you. Tell me more. What have you been up to? I wanted to see the straight. I've heard stories. And did it live up to your expectations? It was adequate. How oh, dear, you know, I, I think perhaps we've gotten off on the wrong foot. Do you now? I, I do. I, I mean, just think about it for a second. I think perhaps you're being just a bit harsh on me. I mean, look at your crew. Uh, what I've done to your crew, I clearly could have done to you. But I haven't. And I won't. So I should be thankful that you haven't enslaved me? Perhaps not thankful, but you should trust me. You can trust me, Haldir. Trust is earned. It's been five days since we've known each other. Do you trust me? I don't trust anyone. Nevertheless, think about it for a moment. There's a second God's War coming. It's already started, in fact. I plan to win it, but I can't win it alone. And if I can't, what hope does a pitiful mortal like you have? You need allies. I'm merely offering myself to you in that way. I accept you as an ally, not as a confidant. What would it take, Haldir, to win my way into your confidence? Do what you've promised. Just that? Just, just find you a way to godhood and hand it to you on a silver platter? Yes. I knew I liked you, sweetheart. Perfect. And you two pass each other. All right. This is what I want. I want to know what you guys want to do over the next five days. I'd like to explore this uh, pathway in my mind, this null zone that has other voices in it and find out what's going on with that. I think my plan is to slowly, slowly wean this crew off of uh, what I've been uh, blessing them with. Sure. Uh, and, and, and also do the work that I need to do to build sufficient loyalty among them, uh, my own self, uh, so that I have a pretty clear sense that if things were to go sideways, it would go my way. And Vessen uh, wants to write a letter to his parents in his little uh, cubby. Vessen has a hammock made of leaves tied up in the hole in the bottom of the ship. There's always a constant dripping. For some reason, they can't fix it. On a ship that can heal itself, it still drips right there. Always like kind of like just left to your face. So it bothers you, but never actually hits you. And you're sitting there. And what are you doing? I have spread out in front of me 
uh, little drawings that my sister did of my mom and dad. And I have them set there, and I take out a piece of paper and, and my pen. Dear mom and dad, things turned out a little differently than I thought they would. Being a sailor, I had to do some things, but I got paid. Uh, the Lord, um, he threw some silver at me, and I'm holding it, and maybe one day, maybe one day, we'll make it. So, I don't know if this letter will ever get to you, or if I'll ever see you again, but if it does, just know, I love you. And then I count my silver, each one knowing that it hit my face, my my nearly <laughs> passed out face from pain. But at least I did it for them. Bird swoops in, takes the silver. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. Thank you for joining us for episode 77, The Sun and the Moon. For my DMs notes on this episode and special behind-the-scenes videos from our last God's Fall recording, check out patreon.com slash Vardian. I am completely revamping my patron layout and adding bonus material from all of the shows I work and produce on into one single feed. I've got a bunch of new stuff posted now, and we're going to have a ton more for the relaunch in April. So be sure to check us out at patreon.com slash Vardian. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time in the Five Kingdoms. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My grand says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a story glass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. This show was produced and edited by Dead Ghost Productions. Find out more about us and all the shows we make at deadghostpro.com. <laughs>